It's time once again for another episode of All That's Jazz, the podcast that explores everything in the world of jazz. And here now is your host, Alan Scott. Hello and welcome to another episode of All That's Jazz. The Spanish Harlem Orchestra is a three-time Grammy-winning salsa and Latin jazz band founded by Aaron Levinson and Oscar Hernandez, who is the band leader and one of the most prominent pianists and arrangers in the salsa and Latin jazz scene. Oscar Hernandez is our guest today. Oscar, thanks for joining us here. Hey, Alan, it's my pleasure. I'm really happy to share a little time with you and your listeners. And uh, it's always a pleasure to talk about music for me. And thank you to All That's Jazz uh, for having me. Well, it is our pleasure and certainly our privilege to uh, speak to you about the Spanish Harlem Orchestra. Let me begin uh, by talking a little bit about some of the history and how this whole thing got started for you for show as a lot of people like to call the band, S-H-O. You're dedicated to the sounds of the barrio, hardcore salsa. Would that be a fair assessment? Yes, it is. I mean, the truth of the matter is I grew up, I was born and grew up and raised in the city of New York. When I grew up in the 60s and the 70s, it was a very important time for the cultural development of Latinos in that city. And uh, the barrio is basically Spanish Harlem Orchestra. It's, uh, that's a synonym for Spanish Harlem Orchestra, which was an important place in terms of the development of that culture. So I'm proud to represent that and what that represents uh, for me in terms of the music. You know, music was a huge important part of that cultural development I just mentioned. So it's kind of the music I was listening to as a young person growing up from every other door, every other window where I lived. And I would see my older brothers and sisters getting ready on the weekends to go dancing and partying to the music of Tito Puente, Machito, Tito Rodriguez, and all the music that was being played and a bunch of others I won't mention because the list is too long, but uh, it was part of the fabric of what was happening in New York City. So, yes. Tell me how you chose the name Spanish Harlem for the orchestra. I wish I could take credit. It was Aaron Levinson's idea. Aaron is a producer. He's not a musician. So he called me originally with the idea for a concept record that he had and with a deal with one of Brothers Records. We discussed the concept. His idea was to take old songs and remake them, kind of. And I said, okay, that's a great idea. And as far as I'm concerned, he was calling the perfect person because my career at that point was in full development in, some, in terms of uh, my concept, in terms of where I saw the music going, in terms of the past and how it evolved to that time and you know looking into the future so we decided on the material i got all the arrangements done including myself i did a bunch of the arrangements i assembled the musicians we went into the studio and recorded the record and make a long story short it was dropped by one of brothers it was put in the can for a year and a half he sold it to a small record label uh, owned by a friend of his 
Rope Dope Records, and he decided to call it Spanish Harlem Orchestra. So it was his decision. But you know what, Alan? For me, it was divine intervention, I feel. It was given to me on a silver platter as to what I should be doing with my life on the music level. Again, Aaron's not a musician, so when the record finally came out and it got nominated for a Grammy in the year 2002, I formed the band, and now here we are 18 years later, traveled all over the world, won three Grammys, have been nominated five times, just finished releasing our new seventh CD titled uh, The Latin Jazz Project, of which I'm proud of. That's It's getting rave reviews. So it's been pretty amazing for me that uh, this band that he decided to call Spanish Harlem Orchestra was meant for me because I'm the real deal in terms of, you know, now at my age representing this music because I got to play with Machito. I got to play with Tito Puente. I got to play with Celia Cruz. I got to play with Ray Barreto. And, and on and on, I could name a bunch of other people back in the day that I was blessed to play with. So for me, yes, that represents the sound of what I'm trying to achieve with Spanish Harlem Orchestra, my band. And now 18 years later, I think that we've done a great job and I couldn't do it by myself. I have a lot of great musicians who accompany me and uh, who are part of this journey. And I'm proud to share it with them because they're as clear on the mission as I am and they get it. And it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I'm doing what I love, man. It's awesome. Well, you know, it's a nice tribute also to the ethnicity of Spanish Harlem, the barrio. Uh, and if you don't know where that is, that's in New York. And if you ever were standing at the corner of 110th and Lex, you're right there, baby. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Uh, for those of you, uh, for those of who may not, uh, just as a frame of reference, people know Harlem, right? Black Harlem, which is basically 96th Street to 125th Street on the west side of Manhattan. Well, Spanish Harlem is 96th Street to 125th Street on the east side of Manhattan. So Fifth Avenue is the center barrier that divides Harlem and Spanish Harlem. But the analogies that apply to Harlem, all the important aspects culturally that apply to Harlem, apply to Spanish Harlem in terms of Latin or Latino ethnicity and Latino culture. That gives you a good idea, right? Absolutely. And of course, one of the predominant aspects of that Latin population in Spanish Harlem are uh, people that came from Puerto Rico, such Without as yourself. I mean, that was the predominant ethnic group. Obviously, there were a lot of people uh, who came later, but I think the first ones that emigrated looking for a better life in New York City, particularly Spanish Harlem, were people from Puerto Rico, my, my parents who moved to New York in the 50s. I was born uh, in, in New York City. So that was an important part of the main people. Obviously, there were other people, people from Dominican Republic, people from Cuba, who were part of, although they had their other concentration of communities in different places, such as Queens, Jersey, Brooklyn, all of what made the, uh, the rich cultural development of Latinos throughout the city. But yes, the predominant group was Puerto Ricans. And of course, the, the music is, is truly significant and wonderful. I, I always tell people kiddingly that in another life, I was a Cuban musician. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I could understand that. For me, it's the most amazing music 
there's a, I mean, I love all music. You know, certainly on, on any given day, I could listen to a, a Mozart sonata or, or a Beethoven concerto or whatever and appreciate that. I could listen to the best R&B and appreciate that. I could, there's so much music, Brazilian music, on and on. But for me, only because it's the music that it's been part of my heart and soul since I was a young teenager when I started playing it, it's the best music in the world. It is, and I, I, I remember, just as a quick aside, when I was younger in grammar school, uh, I lived in Connecticut, and on the corner of the block that I lived, there was a Puerto Rican bar, and I was forbidden from going down there, but here I am in grammar school. First of all, whenever your parents tell you don't do something, that's exactly what you do, but I loved it because... I would go down there and sit on uh, the doorstep because they always had the door open and they played the most incredible music. And here I am in grammar school and I'm just really jiving on this music and, and it, it stayed with me. It's just a music that once it gets into your soul, it's there. No doubt. And uh, I've been privy to that because, you know, with Spanish Harlem Orchestra, we'll play performing arts centers where the audience is sitting down. And probably 70% of the audience is non-Latino, mostly Anglo or other. Uh, and I can tell you that the reaction that we get in terms of people being moved up by the music is so palpable. Because I'm there signing CDs at the end and everybody comes up to me go like, oh my God, the music is amazing. You guys are amazing. This is one of the best concerts I've ever seen. So. I'm privy to that reaction to people who are not even Latino. Uh, I think that maybe they don't take it for granted as much because they're not exposed to it as much and they're getting a, a really bird's eye view from an aesthetic point of view artistically when they see a concert of Spanish Harlem Orchestra. So it's a beautiful thing to see, Alan. So I could certainly relate to what you're saying. Well, you know... You obviously uh, found that popularity worked and uh, it, it caught on very quickly because in getting back to Spanish Harlem Orchestra, as soon as you guys came right out of the chute, you were already in Grammy territory. In 2002, your first album, it won a Grammy. Uh, very proud of that. And it just speaks to you know the validity and the beauty of the music. And for me, I'm, I try to be as honest and transparent in everything I do. And I, I think the thing I could feel good about is that when I walk away from the studio and we finish a record, I have to love what I'm hearing. And I could say that I love it. I absolutely love I And I don't go back and listen to the past stuff. But if right now I'm in somebody's house and they're playing something from across 110th Street, I just go, wow, that sounds amazing. I can vouch for everything that we've done in terms of how much I feel for that music that I produced. It comes from a real place of love for me. And that's the bottom line criteria. I don't think, well, I need to have a commercial hit. I want to do this style. I want to do that style. I want to try to maybe use this person. For me, it's all about doing stuff that I feel really good about. And you're exactly right. You know, the people have spoken in terms of, you know, those choices that I've made. So it's awesome. So how many people are actually in the orchestra? It, has it varied from time to time? You're right around 12, 13 people? It's never varied. It's always been 13 musicians, five uh, guys in the horn section, three percussionists, that's eight, 
piano and bass is 10 and the three vocalists up front is 13 and we've never varied that sound you know people ask me this is kind of a funny thing i say because when we have a new record so people ask me okay yeah i have a new record so what's new and i go nothing <laughs> and I say that, you know, kind of being funny, maybe facetiously in a way. What I mean by that is the thread of what we have to offer is the same. It's hard driving, organic sounding, hardcore swing music that represents the music that I grew up playing as a youngster. So, yeah, the songs are different. The arrangements are different. The interpretations are different. The solos are different. There's a lot that's different. But you can feel the thread from one album to the next, now seven uh, CDs. It's, uh, it's what I'm clear about, Alan. I feel really good about that. Well, if it ain't broke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and in a way, that says a lot about it because the formula is there. It works, even though there are different arrangements, uh, maybe uh, some different approaches to the music. That, that's one thing because you're adding to the depth and the body of work that you're creating. Out of those seven albums that you've created, is there a special one for you, maybe? I, I don't think of it that way. If you had to put a gun to my head, and I would say, because there's aspects of each album that I absolutely am in love with. You know, I could particular songs that I just go like, wow. So it's hard for me to say that I have a favorite. But if you maybe if you had to push me push me push me i would say the second one because i, I invited ruben blades as a guest he said of course let's do it and to this day you know he didn't he didn't make a penny you know he did it just as a labor of love and it was me collaborating with another artist of that on that level of that importance to be able to produce something that that was awesome but then again <clears throat> on the third album i asked paul simon to be a guest Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things I feel good about that, when I think of like Paul Simon, I, you know, Paul Simon's a friend of mine because I was his musical director, right? And I never saw him as fitting in with Spanish Harlem Orchestra, so I never really asked him. But I have a friend of mine who's a huge Paul Simon fan. And he kept asking me, oh, when are you going to ask Paul? When are you going to ask Paul? He should be a guest. He should be a guest. So finally, on a whim, I'm just having a conversation, and we were about to go in the studio in a week. I said, Paul... You know, thinking he's going to say no. I said, Paul, would you like to be a guest? And he went, absolutely. I went like, what? I said, <laughs> he told me, what are you thinking of? And immediately, I didn't know what to say. I just said, well, off the top of my head, well, maybe me and Julio, or maybe late in the evening. And he said, okay. And we hung up the phone, and I, I heard late in the evening. I said, that's it. I sat down that evening. I did the arrangement. And when I listened to that track... It's, it brings home for me that I achieved exactly what I want. Down along the avenue, some guys were shooting pool, and I heard the sound of acapella groups. Singing late in the evening, and all the girls out on the stoop.
I paid homage to Paul Simon without losing the identity of Spanish Harlem Orchestra. You hear the identity of the band full force in that track, but yet it features Paul Simon. So I think I achieved something beautiful for me, uh, a happy medium of the meeting of the world, of two worlds, right? Yes. Pretty cool. And, and that's great because through the history of the albums that uh, Spanish Harlem Orchestra has produced, uh, you've had a number of really stellar guests, uh, not only Paul, but you've had Ruben, as you said, Chick Corea, Joe Lovano, Randy Brecker. And then we'll talk a little bit later about the, the latest release where you have uh, I think there's only two people in the world of jazz that didn't make the album. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I, you know, speaking of that, one of the beautiful things I feel uh, when I hear the record, and I spent a lot of time with this record, and I even after it was done, I would listen to it in my car, listen to it at home, just to convince myself. And one of the beautiful things I feel is that when you hear people of this caliber put their magic on your music. Jeez, Alan, it doesn't get better than that, you know? And when you speak all that's jazz, you know, when you say that, you know, I know that's what you guys uh, honor. It's, that's exactly what it is. All that's jazz is on my record <laughs> uh, with some of the best people. It's pretty cool. You know, we're kind of having that same shared experience because of the people we've had on our show, like yourself, and some of uh, the other guests that we've had, uh, where uh, we're, we're honored because it's not just all about us, it's about jazz. And it's about those of you that contribute to this world of jazz. And it's, it's a special thing. Uh, and let's talk, if you don't mind, a little bit about yourself, Oscar. Um, you were born in the South Bronx area, and you came from a rather large family. Uh, you had like eleven brothers or sisters. Uh, that, that's, that's correct. A pretty big uh, from, uh, family. For, yeah, from the same mother and father. I was number ten. So for me, when I look back, uh, it, there were difficult times. We grew, we grew up poor. We grew up on welfare. Uh, but my mother was an amazing person, man. She would sew, she would take care of kids, she would make food, she would sell products just to keep food on the table. And we never lacked anything. We never, 11 kids, we never lacked anything. We always had plenty of food, we had plenty of love. We had plenty of music, because we would hear that, you know, uh, on our, the record player, on the radio, the music that my father and my mother would listen to. I look back and, uh, and then also, my oldest brother, who's 16 years older than me, happened to be the superintendent of the building where we lived when I was 13. He's a great example of a, just an amazing person. And he developed one of the rooms in the, in the basement of the building as like a clubhouse, and they gave him a piano. So he put the piano down there, and for me, that's where it all started. Uh, you know, I'm so indebted to him because he created a space for me. Uh, little did I know that music was going to be part of, you know, uh, now an amazing career for me. I, I, I just look back and go like, wow, things happen in my life that I can't explain. But that piano was put there for me. And I started meeting local neighborhood musicians and learning from them and, and started developing to the point where at 16, I was already now playing professionally. At 18, I got my biggest break playing with one of the top bands in New York City. So 
And don't forget, Alan, New York at that time, we're talking about the 70s, it was the most amazing place for music because you had literally 30, 40 clubs throughout the city, whether it be Brooklyn, the Bronx, Manhattan, you know, uh, Queens. There were so many places that you can go see live music. And I caught the bug. When I, at 16, I went to the Hunts Point Palace. I snuck in to see seven bands for $7 on, on Easter Sunday. Oh, my. Uh, <laughs> and I got to see Tito Puente, Ray Barreto, uh, uh, Ricardo Ray. Uh, it was amazing. It was an amazing time for music. It was meant to happen for me. I, I, you know, I could same thing that Spanish Harlem Orchestra was meant to happen for me. Something about how my path has been put in front of me, and now I look back, it's been an amazing path that, that I'm so blessed to have had. And now here I am, still putting my stamp on the music better than ever with what we're doing with Spanish Harlem Orchestra and my two solo records, by the way, that I'm proud of because they're all my compositions. Love the Moment, which was voted one of the best releases of uh, 2019 by Downbeat. And prior to that, my first solo record, The Art of Latin Jazz, which mm -hmm. I'm proud of, both on Origin Records. If you were to go to New York City and uh, go to the building where you grew up and go down to the basement, is there the piano still there with a placard that says, this is where it all got started for Oscar Hernandez? Uh, no, I, I, I've gone back and I've looked at it, you know, uh, Four or five years ago, I was in New York. I said, you know what? Let me go back memory lane. I went back to the neighborhood. It doesn't look at all. It looks so much smaller than, than, than I remember it. No, I don't think people there are aware that it started. I mean, the people that I grew up with now that are still in my life, obviously, are aware. But uh, yeah, it all started for me there. Pretty cool. You not only grew up listening to Ray Barreto, but you ended up working with him. Yeah, for me, uh, being able to get the gig with Ray Barreto when I was 25 years old and then recording six records with Ray, uh, starting with Reconstruction, who, which, you know, people in the know, as far as Latin music, know that that's one of the seminal, most important records in the history of the music, recorded in 1976. <laughs> Participated with Ray and been part of you know the history that I with Ray Barreto, man. Uh, that was actually that's a precursor to exactly what I'm doing now with my band. When I look at you know my history history with Ray Barreto and Ray, for me, I couldn't have fallen into better hands because he was a great band leader. 
he was a guy who was extremely, he was one of the most, even to this day, one of the most knowledgeable people about music, all kind of music, from classical music to jazz, certainly jazz, because he was a jazz buff. You know, he started playing jazz before he played Latin. So he can quote solos, he can quote anecdotes about so many special times. So for me, falling into the graces of Ray Bretto was such an incredible blessing for me. And those records, for, you know, they're documentation of beautiful music, starting with Reconstruction and then later on, The Rhythm of Life, uh, Giant Force, Remendo Trio, all the records tomorrow, the records that I got to record with Ray. Man, if you want to find out why Spanish Harlem Orchestra sounds like we do, go back and listen to those records. So there you are. That's where the seed was planted for you, and obviously it flourished and grew. And so that that's fantastic, especially for those of us as listeners and fans. Uh, we get this opportunity to enjoy the Spanish Harlem Orchestra. Now, your musical director for the orchestra, obviously uh, also a pianist, and how much of the arrangements or compositions uh, fall under your name? Well, I, I usually try to do half, maybe a little bit more than half, simply because I want other people to be involved, people that I, that I respect, people that I care about, people that I know that, like me, have their finger on the pulse of what this music is as an arranger. So I've used people like Sonny Bravo, uh, Jose Madera. The main exponent for me is that I used in all of our records is Gil Lopez. And Gil Lopez passed away probably three years ago at the age of 83, but still was an amazing musician. He had an amazing history as a pianist and arranger back from the early days of Tito Puente. So I became friends with, with Gil, and uh, he has at least two arrangements, even to the last, except for the new Latin jazz record, because he's no longer here. But people like that, because, I mean, I just had a deep love for what he did. I, I would listen to one of his arrangements, and I would go, you know, I could arrange that song, and it would sound good, but it wouldn't sound like that. And it was a different perspective for me that I could really appreciate and love. So there are ranges like that. And then I realized he was part of the history of this music. So it was such a joy for me, able to, for me to be able to give somebody the opportunity to be part of what I'm doing, who had the history that he had. Man, it doesn't get better than that. So uh, it's like, you know, you take somebody like recently passed away, Johnny Mandel, right? Imagine this day having access to Johnny Mandel arrange something for your, your record. Well, it doesn't get better than that. Right. So the same thing with Gil Lopez. And I've used other people, Angel Fernandez, Gonzalo Grau, just to mention a few of the arrangers who are, are great arrangers um, and who, like me, came up with a clear uh, concept of the evolution of this music up to where we are today. And where we are today is a release that you had in May of this year. And unfortunately, uh, I'm sure you haven't had uh, much opportunity to be performing that anywhere uh, of late uh, as, as your 13-piece orchestra, etc. But this particular recording is called The Latin Jazz Project. And what I find uh, curious uh, is it, 
is billed as your first full-length jazz release. This is our first Latin jazz release because you can't consider it pure jazz because the rhythms that we're playing are Latin. So although there are jazz aspects, jazz sensibilities to everything we do, because the improvisation aspect is there, the harmonic development um, is there in terms of the arrangements. Mostly, when you think of jazz, it's instrumental music, mostly, right? And Latin jazz, the same thing. So although we've had examples of a Latin jazz song on each of our records, because you know we're, that's part of what we all are as musicians who've studied our craft in terms of music, in terms of salsa, we've always had our you know, me, to give you an example, as a young musician, and the musicians that I grew up with, we all had our ear to the ground in jazz. We were listening to, you know, uh, how it started with, our, you know, for me as a pianist, Art Tatum, Bud Powell, Red Garland, Witten Kelly, you know, Hank Jones, uh, onto the people who were part of my day, like Chick Corea, Keith Jarrett, McCoy Tyner, Herbie Hancock, all the people that were important to the development of jazz. So we always had our ear to the ground as far as that music, and it's been part of who we are. But being immersed in the Latino culture and being immersed in the Latino feel per se, we're doing Latin music, but we want to be able to incorporate that as well into what we do because it's an incredible music. Jazz is, you know, you can even say it's the most amazing music in the world as well, because uh, it is and it's America's original art form, when you hear people saying, well, jazz is dying, it breaks my heart, you know? And I think if jazz is dying, it's because we're not giving the support it needs. And we're not educating people enough as to the importance of the artistic merit of what jazz is. And uh, the artistic merit in terms of what it means to the soul to be able to understand and hear jazz and and appreciate it. I don't know if I answered your question, but no, it does. Um, it does. But it was our, our first, our first release, dedicating the whole concept to Latin jazz. Yes. You know, in the development of this particular release, the the Latin jazz project, what was the inspiration behind it in terms of the selection of principles that you invited to be on the album, uh, of which it reads like a who's who of jazz. Uh, everyone from uh, Miguel Zenon, uh, Kurt Elling, Dave Liebman, Bob Mincer, Joe Locke, Bob uh, Franceschini, uh, you've got Tom Harrell, Jeremy Bosch, uh, Jimmy Haslip. My goodness, how did you make those selections or what was the, the thought process into this? Well, sometimes, you know, there, these, the musicians that you mentioned that are all part of this record are musicians that I highly respect and really care about their artistic integrity in terms of what they're doing with their own music. So there were a couple of musicians that I reached out to that said they couldn't make it or we couldn't make happen. So I will mention people that I reached out to. Uh, obviously, the inspiration was, uh, for instance, when I, you mentioned Chick Corea, who's on our fifth recording. And uh, when I reached out to I had met Chick Corea, just to give you an example of how it happens. When I, uh, I had met Chick Corea's wife at the Grammys, and we were talking, and she said, oh, you know what, Chick would love your music. So, and I'm a fan of Chick Corea as a pianist. I mean, who doesn't, who's not a fan of Chick Corea as a pianist? So for me, mm -hmm. so she says, you know, I, I wrote to her, 
And she says, you know what? Here's his email. Why don't you write to him? He's, on, he's in Europe on tour. So I wrote to him, asking him, look, this is a track. We'd love for you to be a guest. Thinking he's going to say no. A month later, his manager calls me up, says, Chick loves the track. He wants to do it. So I was going, I just look up and I go, thank you, thank you, thank you. So when you get people of that caliber to say, yes, they want to be part of what you're doing, wow. So getting back to your question, uh, we had a number of different ideas. I could, the same way I listed those musicians, I could probably list another 100 of people that I would love to have as a guest on our record. Not everybody's amenable, not everybody sees it. Uh, that way from their perspective but these guys all said yes and these people these are musicians who I thought about would be great possibilities and when I reached out to them they all said yes Uh, I'm not going to go into specifically each one how it happened but when they said yes then I made it happen and for me when I saw them putting their magic on our music I just go wow this really vindicates everything about what I want this record to be in terms of the creativity, in terms of their participation with us. Uh, Obviously, you can still tell it's Spanish Harlem Orchestra, but yet we have the advantage of having these great improvisers put their blessing on what we're doing. So I'm thankful and grateful to all of them. Uh, As I mentioned to them in an email when I, you know, when they all said yes, said, hey man, this is such a blessing to have you. We're grateful to have you on this, and I hope I, you know, we can make you proud. And I think we achieved that. They all wrote back, said, "This is amazing. We're honored to be on it. The record's amazing. You know, thank you." And uh, that's the reaction I get. So, you know, uh, Oscar, one of the the things that we did this year during uh, Jazz Appreciation Month in April at KUVO Radio, because we are a jazz station is uh, we had all of our hosts pick their favorite collaborations through the years of jazz. And uh, I I wish this had been out uh, by April because this would have been my choice. I I made another choice that did involve Kurt Elling and Danilo Perez, uh, even though that was contemporary. But still, this to me, Oscar, I think speaks so highly of the word. It's almost the definition of collaboration. Would you say that's a a fair description? Absolutely. I mean, and for me, that's what you want to achieve. That's what you want to have when you think of a collaboration. There are a number of ways you can go. I, we didn't have a lot of money to offer uh, these musicians because, you know, these records don't make a lot of money. So we were hoping that they would want to be involved in the collaborative effort of what we're trying to achieve. And I think then to know a little bit about Spanish Harlem Orchestra, what we're about, what I represent, because now I look at my, and it's a matter of me being my age, I represent the history of the music only because I've been doing it for close to 50 years, God, you know what I mean? So, and having played with all these incredible people that are no longer here, I think that, you know, they feel that, you know, this is something worth being involved with and collaborating. I would like to think, you'd have to ask them, but I I would like to think that they would all say, yes, we're honored to be part of this collaboration. Spanish Harlem Orchestra represents a real, real artistic ensemble of integrity that represents music from a real time, a real place. Uh, and has an incredible validity and substance to what they do and what they're trying to achieve. So 
uh, I think that sums it up for me in terms of what I wanted this to be. And uh, when I listen to the record and I get the feedback that I get, because I've gotten some really great reviews uh, that I look at, and I go like, wow, it's awesome. Somebody else gets gets the vision of what we're trying to achieve here. It's uh, That's what it's about, Adam. So it's pretty cool. And it is. It's it's absolutely amazing in listening to this. I've listened to this album three times since Sunday night before I was doing my work for backgrounder information. And I just found myself drawn into it. It's so fantastic. You've achieved in every single track that theme or that element that you wanted to in putting together a full-length Latin jazz release. There is that pure jazz, but there's also the Latin influence or tinge involved. And as you said, more specifically, you can tell it's the Spanish Harlem Orchestra. And it's, it's amazing. Each track is, is great. But I have to ask you about one track, and it's called Joe and Oscar, and it's only 35 seconds. I wanted more. Why did you do this to me? Well, it so happens we were, you know, first of all, Joe Locke. I had never met Joe Locke. Obviously, I was familiar with his work. And he walks into the studio that day when we had uh, made the appointment for him to come to lay down his track. He walk, He just busts in there with this incredible bundle of energy with a smile from ear to ear, like so happy to be there. We all, you know, were there, there were about five or six of us there. We're just like, wow, this is awesome. This guy is bringing so much joy to this moment. So uh, doing one of the takes, we were just kind of messing around. You know, I was saying, hey, these are the changes, Joe. You know, so kind of mess around with it. You know, he'd go, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, play that. And the guy in the engineer just recorded that moment. wasn't intentional it was unintentional but it shows just a moment in time the beautiful artistry of joe Locke for me in terms of him improvising wasn't even didn't know it was being recorded and uh what comes out is a 36 seconds of magic and that's uh that's what it's about alan i you know what's beautiful you when you know i'm interviewed by people who totally get it uh, and I can sense that you get it. It's, it doesn't get better than that. So thank you, uh, brother. I really appreciate it. You know, appreciate what you're doing. Uh, it's my pleasure. And every bit of this was my pleasure. It, it was an amazing album. And one other thing about it, Oscar, just to touch on it before we close, uh, is that this was a fan-funded project through Artist Share. That's interesting. It's one of the ways to go for me. Obviously, it's not easy these days to produce these records because I have to put my money where my mouth is in terms of what I believe in. It's hard. I don't have money to produce an album like this. I mean, I do just to barely make it, you know, by the skin of my teeth. But Artist Share represents a label that is represents artistic integrity in terms of uh, it's it's a label that you know you as an artist you still own your pro own your product which is something that's important for me because the last time we were with a label and I won't mention the label the offer the money they offered me to record another album 
was insulting. And I said, well, I'm not going to let you own my album for that kind of money. It was like $15,000. I said, are you kidding? It's ridiculous. I'm not, I will not do that. So Artist Share offers a different alternative. They do it in a classy way. They're just asking basically for people to purchase the record before it's out and people who believe in the artist. Uh, people need to know that, you know, I think in everything in life, you need to support the things that you believe in. If not, you won't have them. So I really appreciate the people who do support us, who understand, who go beyond, who are intelligent and discerning enough to go beyond the commercial BS that they're fed out there to go find good music. And tune into KUVO to find out the real deal with you know, what good music is and whatever other stations you may find that offer the, those possibilities. So Artist Share is a fan-funded label, but they do it in a very classy way. And at the very least, you can purchase the digital download. You can purchase the, uh, the actual physical seed through, through them. And for me, Alan, again, speaking of putting my money where my mouth is, I, you know, I spent a lot of money to record this in the best studios. The musicians got paid. The, the guest artists got paid. They didn't, they didn't get paid a lot of money, but they got paid as a matter of respect. But for me, it was important to release a record. I know we had agreed to release this in May and then the pandemic hit, right? Mm. And uh, I had people telling me, no, no, don't release it. Don't release it. Wait till September, wait till this is over. And I said, you know what? I, I don't care. I, I'm going to use this time to release it, to put my money where my mouth is in terms of what I believe. And I'm going to go ahead and release it anyway. And you're exactly right. I mean, it, it's a shame that we don't have all these concerts that we had on the calendar where I could be selling the CDs to make the money back. But that's okay. We've done okay. I have no complaints. The record and the music on it speaks for itself for me. And that's the beauty of it. And I'll keep doing it till the day I'm not here anymore in terms of the integrity and the beauty of this music, uh, which is I'm very passionate about. And I thank all those people that have come aboard and supported the project and been part of Artist Share and Spanish Harlem Orchestra. Well, I will tell you that it's a labor of love, and people will love it when they hear it. And it's it's something that uh, I'm sure you and all of the orchestra are proud of, even the guest artists that you had. It sounds like they were in on the buy-in. They were all in on this, uh, and they're doing it for the love and their commitment and passion for jazz. And I can't and you, thank you enough. When you enough. see the physical product, you, you could tell I take... Oh, my time to get the best people involved, to produce the best product, not only musically, but in terms of the packaging, in terms of everything, in terms of honoring the musicians. They're all on the front cover in terms of their names. And so, uh, yes, it all speaks to what we feel strongly about myself and, and Spanish Harlem Orchestra and what we represent. So, and I thank you, Alan, again, and, and KUVO for doing the incredible job that you guys do with educating people and putting the music out there where it needs to be and, uh, and supporting what we do. Because, like I said, we can't do it without the support of people. And, and uh, as a people, we need to be supportive of the things that we feel strongly about. So, uh, Thank God that Spanish Harlem Orchestra has developed a fan base, you know, somewhat. It's not commercial music, but for, it hurts me that, you know, Latin radio 
uh, won't play a band that has won three Grammys because they're strictly involved with just playing commercial music. And I just go like, wow, uh, I like to think that there's more to life than just that. You know, that's fine that they play that, but hey, educate people about, you know, what's going on that's important and the people who are making it, you know, important. Well, you will always be on my playlist in the world of <laughs> jazz and Latin jazz more specifically and the music that Spanish Harlem Orchestra produces. Oscar, this has been a delightful period of time for me. I, I thank you for offering us this glimpse into yourself and your world and what you've been able to accomplish to make a difference in this music. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for those words, Alan. I, I, I'm so grateful, grateful to yourself and people such as yourself who support the music and support what we do. And, uh, and you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's what's important. I tell the musicians, I tell people, look, we live off this, we make money, but it's not about the money. I, I, the money I take it and I spend it. It's about the moments. It's about the experiences. It's about connecting, you know. And for me, at the end of the day, when I'm playing with my band and I can feel the connection of the music with the musicians and I can feel the audience connecting, wow, it does not get better than that. And no money, amount of money in the world could represent those feelings. So thank you, brother. You know, peace and blessings to you and all the listeners. All that's jazz. Uh, keep supporting and keep this music alive and well and in your hearts. And we love you. Thanks for listening to this episode of All That's Jazz with pianist, arranger, Oscar Hernandez, the leader of the world-renowned Spanish Harlem Orchestra. Our thanks to Ben Sidron for our theme song, Mr. P's Shuffle. Please join us for our next episode featuring Japanese trumpeter, composer, arranger, and Grammy Award winner, Shinzo Uno. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating on the app you used to listen to us. We are available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app. Also Facebook and online at allthatsjazz.net.